Hello and welcome to Wangaratta Baptist Church. My name is Pastor Aaron. I'm so thrilled that you've decided to join with us today for this message. This message was recorded live at one of our Sunday morning services, which are on every Sunday at 10am right here in Wangaratta. If you're here uh, in town on a Sunday, then why not come along and join with us in fellowship with other believers as we open the word together and hear from the scriptures. But if you are connecting with us online, don't let this replace uh, coming to a, a local church. Uh, they are vitally important for the growth of all believers. And so get along to your local church. But if not, then, then at least help. let this be a supplement to help you in your walk with the Lord. And so we do believe that the, the scriptures are the inerrant word of God and they're here to train us and equip us. And so we will be speaking and opening up the scriptures together. So, so get your Bibles out and follow along. And I trust that this message that you are watching today will really encourage you and inspire you and help you understand the hope that we do have in Jesus Christ. May it be a blessing to you. Uh, are you aware that praying has become increasingly fashionable in our society? No? No? Well, in some places it is. I came across a recent poll which found that 80% of British residents still believe that prayer can be answered in spite of a dramatic drop in church attendance. Only one in seven people insist they would never resort to prayer in the face of problems in their lives. Interestingly, teenagers and people in their 20s are more likely to pray than their parents' generation. When I was younger, there was pretty much two kinds of prayers that I would pray. One was kind of like a mantra that we would say before we ate. We would say grace. And it went like this. For what I am about to receive, Lord, I am truly thankful for forever Christ. I come in, right? And as quick as you could say that, the better, right? You know, it's just sort of like this mantra. For what I am about to receive, Lord, I am truly thankful for Christ. I came in. Okay, now I can eat. And that's when we'd say it. And it was almost like, and still, I don't really eat a meal unless I've said thanks to God for it. But it's almost like growing up, it was I can't eat a meal. I can't eat anything because that's how we were raised. We don't eat until we've said grace. The second type of prayer was at night, and it was more like, God bless mummy and daddy, and so on, so on, so on, so on. And even people who aren't Christians sometimes pray in moments of distress because they have nothing else left. Nikki, as you know, was an atheist, Nikki Gumbel, and in his gap year, he went travelling around America. And he recounted his trip and he said, I travelled around America on a Greyhound bus on one of those kind of rover tickets, get on, get off, whenever, it doesn't matter. And I lost all my luggage, which was in a rucksack, most of my money. Basically, the only thing I was left with were my passport and a tiny bit of money. And I was so lonely. I went and lived in a hippie colony for 10 days, free food and somewhere to stay, I guess. But then I basically travelled 500 miles a night. The Greyhound bus became my hotel. I slept overnight on the bus. 
And I just got really desperate. And one time I cried out, God, I just want to meet someone I know. Not a bad prayer for an atheist, hey? And then the following morning, I got on the Greyhound bus at 6am in Phoenix, Arizona, and saw an old school friend of mine on the bus. And I just went, I don't believe it. He's still a friend of mine. And every time he sees me, he goes, I don't believe it. And he lent me some money. And apparently, I spent all my money buying socks. My daughter and his daughter are great friends. And my daughter always teases me. She says, Dad, why did you just buy all those socks? God answered my prayer, Nikki says, but he just put it down to coincidence. He didn't take any notice of it at all. In the 40 years since I've been a Christian, Nikki continues, prayer has become the number one priority in my life. Now that I'm an ex- uh, not that I'm an expert in prayer, you know, I still find prayer really difficult. I find when I start to pray, my mind wanders all over the place, all these distracting thoughts. You had those, I had those, we all have those. Sometimes it's so hard to stay focused. And often, you know, I, I, I think I haven't got time to do it and, and so on. So I'm not at all good at it, but I love praying. Why is that? Why can people love praying? Well, first of all, I guess we've got to answer the question, what is Christian prayer? I mean, really, in one sense, it's the most important activity of our lives. It's the very purpose for which we were actually made, to have a love relationship with God. And all love relationships thrive on communication. You know why silent treatment is sometimes so effective? Because we're built for communication with people we're in close, intimate relationship with. And you can always tell when your relationship's not going as well because communication isn't free and easy. It's a bit like that with God. The more we communicate, the more we grow in love, the more our love flourishes. And it's the same both with God and with each other. The Apostle Paul put it like this in Ephesians 2.18. He said, through Jesus, we both, that's, Jews and Gentiles, basically the whole known world, um, have access to the Father by one Spirit. So Christian prayer is to God our Father. Now, I don't know the kind of relationship you had with your Father. Many of you may have even grown up with an emotionally distant Father, as many were of previous generations. But I love to give my kids a hug. And that's that's more like what God is towards us. He's a loving father. You know, when I go and visit my grandfather, he used to always put his hand out for a handshake, right? So what do I do? I grab it and I pull him and then I give him a big hug because that's... You know, he's of the generation where a handshake was enough emotion right there, you know. That was enough of a public display of affection for anyone of his generation. But I go and give him a big hug. And yes, I get the little feedback from his, you know, his, uh, ear, uh, what are they called, hearing aid and everything. But it's good to have a hug. But that's something that doesn't come naturally to my pa. He doesn't initiate it first. But that's sort of 
not God. God doesn't like keep us at arm's length. He goes in for the hug every time. Some people do, however, view God more as a dictator or as, you know, very judgmental, maybe even like a cosmic policeman out to get them. But I don't believe in a God like that. This is the kind of God I believe in, the God that Jesus described as a loving heavenly Father. You know, kids can be hard work at times, especially when they're young. We were fortunate enough to work with and train our kids so that they slept through with minimal night disturbances from about 12 or 14 weeks. It was wonderful that, you know, basically do that 11 o'clock feed and then not have to deal with a child until they wake up at seven or so. It really was a blessing. But other parents are not as fortunate. And sometimes it can be really hard. Some kids just don't do that. Good friends of ours from Adelaide, um, their second son, who I'm surprised is still alive, basically from as soon as it was bedtime to when it was time to wake up, screamed. For years he did that. And the mum was just so distraught so often to have to deal with this just about every single night. But not only is the lack of sleep tough as parents, but there's also everything else that needs to be done for kids, like wiping butts. Oh, my goodness, I hated that. Oh, nappies are horrible. And I don't... And we never had to do the cloth nappies like previous generations. I don't know how you did it. I don't know how anyone could deal with those sorts of things for previous generations. You know, we were, I think we're very blessed. But kids also get sick all the time and they share it with you. You know, we try and instill that sharing is caring, but not when they're sick. But no, no luck. And they need so much help. They need help to eat, help to work out the whole toilet thing, help to walk, help to get in a car, help to get out of a car, help to put a jacket on, help to take a jacket off. They need help for just about everything. And yet we adore our kids. And many of you have grandkids, which is like all the fun stuff without the hard work, right? Almost. Now, if our friends treated us like our kids or grandkids treat us, we wouldn't adore them, would we? If they were so demanding, so much hard work, if we had to wipe their butts, right, that, that just would not be the thing that we do as friends. Somehow, though, because they're your kids, you love them and you're okay doing that stuff for them. God in the Bible is described as both like a father and a mother. He just loves us, not just as a baby, but growing up. I came across the story of a guy called Alex Douglas. He said how he's got these amazing parents but he said that when he was growing up, when he was a teenager, he was actually very rude to them. His mother had MS 
and his father was such a kind, lovely man, but he was still very rude to them. And this is how he put it. He said, I was a greedy, greedy child. I stole from my parents over a long period of time. And when he was 15, his parents found out and there was this great big row, lots of shouting, screaming in the kitchen. And he said, I'd become the worst human being and it all hit me. I ran upstairs, slammed the door, then piled all my furniture against the door and sat by my bed. I remember hearing my dad coming up the stairs and sitting against the door, and I always remember these words that he said to me. Alex, I don't know what you're thinking or what you're going through, but I need you to know that me and your mum love you. We try and provide for you. We give you everything we have. Is that not enough? Then there was a silence that could have gone on forever and I heard my dad quietly say, please, please, son, open the door. I really want to hug you right now. That's the loving father who wants to hug the son. And Alex said, I never experienced God like at that moment. I never understood the gospel more. That's God's love for you. And Jesus said, he's our father in heaven. He's the creator of this entire universe. You know, our sun is one of 300 billion stars in our galaxy. And our galaxy is one of 100 billion galaxies. And yet, in a throwaway line in the book of Genesis, the writer says, he made the stars also. Just like that. Boom, the entire cosmos was created. Yeah, yeah, and he made the stars. You know, yeah. In a way, the power of prayer depends on our grasp of whom it is to whom we are praying. So it's to the Father through the Son. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at how this was made possible through Jesus. We have access to God through Jesus. Also, we can pray to Jesus. Most of the time, I pray to Jesus. You know, Jesus says, I have called you friends. And I just love to talk to Jesus as a friend. We have access to the Father through Jesus by one spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. In the coming weeks, we'll be looking at uh, more into the Holy Spirit. We were looking last week at how Jesus knocks at the door of our lives. And if we open that door, he comes in by his spirit. That is God living within us. And God helps us to pray. Paul says, we don't really know how to pray as we should do, but the spirit helps us. The spirit of God living within us helps us in our weaknesses. So why pray? Well, all relationships are based on communication. Often marriages break down because of a lack of communication. But with good communication, they grow and flourish. And Jesus said this in Matthew 6.6, 6, When you pray, go into your room, 
Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So what are the rewards of prayer? Well, first of all, is the presence of God. Brother Luigi is a Benedictine monk and he was the abbot of a monastery and he now teaches at the Pontifical University in Rome and he is the most holy, godly, prayerful man, certainly any one of the most prayerful people you could ever meet in your entire life. That's the reputation he has of everyone who meets him. He was once asked, Luigi, how do you begin your prayers? And he gave a very surprising answer. He said, I start with a time of complaining. The interviewer had to do a double take at that answer. Sorry, what did you say? Brother Luigi said, yeah, I complain. To which he prodded, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I say to God, oh, this is a complete waste of time. I've got so much to do, why do I need to pray? And then he said, I start to meditate on a verse, like something like, I love you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And he said that as he starts to do that, all the kinds of knots inside him start to untie, and then he finds his heart burning within him. And then he just totally loses track of time in the presence of God. The presence of God, it satisfies that spiritual hunger we all have. It quenches our spiritual thirst. It refreshes our soul. Prayer is like the soul breathing. So the presence of God. Secondly, we also get the peace of God. I have some members of my family who worry a lot. I personally don't really worry much about much or for long about anything, but others are not as fortunate. Growing up, our family had no income for three years, pretty much, and my father worked in low-paying jobs after that. He was a pastor. There could have been a lot to worry about, but we learned to rely on God's provision at the right time, and so worrying about stuff wasn't really going to help, so we kind of just missed that. And my mother-in-law, however, hopefully she's not listening, but we'll see, (laughs) tends to be a worrier. And I think that might have been instilled in some of her children sometimes. I heard of one mother like that who texted her grown-up daughter, and she's just sent this text, start worrying, details to follow. Are you ever like that? Someone said that worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Corrie Ten Boom said, Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its troubles, but it empties today of its strength. The Apostle Paul said this in Philippians 4, 6 and 7. He said, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, that's asking for things, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God, that amazing peace, the peace of God that transcends all understanding will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. It's, it's not about being in a place 
where there's no troubles or problems or hard work. It's about being in the middle of those things and still having a peace in your heart. It's kind of like the deep ocean current when the winds and waves on the surface, but then there's stillness underneath. You know, the peace of God doesn't solve all of our problems. It gives us peace in the midst of them. And then perspective. One of the things that I find is when you start to thank God, when you start to say, oh, thank you, Lord, thank you that, etc. My prayer is, thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that I've got two feet I can walk. Thank you for the sunshine. Thank you for the blessings. Thank you for family. What else is there to thank God for? So many things. And you start thanking and you suddenly realise, wow, there's so much to thank God for. And it puts your problems and your worries in perspective. And then the power of prayer. Prayer not only changes us, but it also changes situations. Of course, you can't prove the existence of God by answers to prayer. But what I've found is it's amazing what happens when we pray. As I said, growing up, we never really had much. The biggest treat of the week for our entire family was on a Friday night where we as a family would all sit down in front of the TV to watch Burke's Backyard and out would come a family block of chocolate to share as a family. That was our big splurge for the week as money was always tight. But there was always Burke's Backyard and a block of chocolate on a Friday night. My mum told me the story once of how when we were in Bible college, we as a family were required to attend a retreat as part of dad's, one of dad's courses. And it was at Stanwell Tops or somewhere like that. It was some sort of camping place. And it was an added expense and it was a luxury that we really couldn't actually afford at that time. Dad had given up a well-paying job as a firefighter to go and move to Sydney to start studying with no income. And Centrelink couldn't get their head around the fact that people just don't do that. You don't give up a good-paying job to go and do nothing in their mind because study at theological degrees and courses was not part of their whole system or anything at that time. And so it was ages before they finally said, oh, actually, okay, yeah, fair enough. We believe you that you've done this and we'll start paying money. So this was in that period of time where there was nothing coming in. And mum's prayer was one completely trusting that God would provide by any means necessary. If someone was to give them the money, great, If it was to just poof, appear, great. She didn't care. But she just said, God, I trust you for this. We'll go. And so we went on this retreat. On the way there, Dad filled up the van with gas because, of course, we were on gas because it was eight cents a litre. And after he'd paid, he found cash right there in front of him in the servo. 
And he asked if anyone in the shop had lost any money, which no one said they had. And he left his details with the guy at the shop and said, if anyone comes back, you know, has lost money and comes back asking for it, here's my details. And in 1988, the amount of money he found was a substantial amount which covered the costs for the retreat. God answers prayer. Many of you would have heard the story of Joshua who when he was born was very sick. He had a hole in his heart. And we and many other people prayed for him. And over the next two years, that hole closed with no medical intervention at all. And by three, there was no evidence of a hole whatsoever. As a church, we've been praying for our 10, 10, 10, 22 prayer vision to see 10 people saved, to see 10 new young adults, to see 10 new families, two muso singers and everything else um, by the end of 2022. And we've seen God moving and answering, starting to answer those prayers in each and every area. But God also answers prayers for the littler things in life. Yes, God has provided me with a parking spot. Now, you could say you could put all that down to coincidence. But William Temple, the Archbishop of Canterbury, said, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't, they don't. And what some might call coincidences, I have a different name for that. I'll share it with you later. Does God always answer prayer though? That's, I guess, the next question, isn't it, logically to ask. Does God always answer prayer? In a sense, yes, he always hears our prayers. But like a good parent, he doesn't always just say yes because a loving parent won't say yes to all of their children's requests. It's a bit like traffic lights. There's sort of like a, a green, yes, is, you know, yes, go, red, stop, no, amber, wait. So green, if you like, is all the prayers that I can look back and, and see in my life that, you know, if I was to write them all down and past I have written sort of prayer diaries and been able to, oh, yep, tick, God answered that one. Yep, tick, he's answered that one. But sometimes there's ones that don't have a tick, the ones where the answer seems to be no. And sometimes in my own experience, it's years later you realise, ah, yeah, that wasn't a no, he answered that. I can think of a few occasions in my life where I've really desperately wanted something and I prayed for it over and over again. One, for example, was a pastoral role I wanted in Hobart at a church that we were attending. I desperately wanted this role and everything seemed to be lining up for me so well that it almost seemed a certainty. But in the end, the answer was no. God didn't answer that prayer. Now I look back and I'm so thankful that God didn't answer that prayer. If he had to have answered that prayer, we most likely would never have moved to Adelaide and I received fantastic training and a great foundation for ministry and heaps of experience, positive and negative, at that church, which has set me up quite well for a life of ministry. Now, sometimes, though, I think we, we won't know in this lifetime why God has not answered our prayers. A good family friend of ours was diagnosed with a terminal disease, and we, like so many people, prayed for healing 
for this friend. And I prayed, my prayer was, Lord, if it's your will, heal this person. However, he died from that disease. This man was such a vibrant person with so much to give and I'll never know or understand why. And it's in those moments when our prayers aren't answered in the manner that we've asked, that, that, that can be when our faith is really tested. And it's in those moments where my prayer becomes this. I may never understand or know why, but I'm not going to give up trusting you. I'm not going to give up praying. Corrie ten Boom said this, when the train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the driver. So there's yes, there's no, and there's wait, which is the amber. You know, if a child asked to drive the car, you'd probably say no. But it doesn't mean no forever. There will come a time when that request will be answered with a yes. Just because something isn't happening for you right now doesn't mean it won't happen. God's timing is perfect. So I guess the question then, how do we pray? Well, like all relationships, there are no rules, really. Like my relationship with Kelly, it's not like this is how we have our conversations. We don't set up a, you know, you must say this and then that and then something else. We have conversations all different kinds of ways. And you're totally free to talk to God in any way that you want. You know, over the years, I've adopted many different approaches to prayer. Sometimes I've adopted structural guides that have assisted my prayer from time to time, like the one that's called ACTS, A-C-T-S. That stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving and Supplication, which is asking for stuff. But I'd say that what's common to all the different ways that I've prayed is three things. And they're the three things that you teach children right from the start, pretty much, aren't they? Thank you, sorry, and please. It's really important to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. There's so much to thank God for. You know, count your blessings, not your problems. And then sorry. You know, I came across this prayer. So far today, God, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish or overindulgent and I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to have to get out of bed and from then on I'm probably going to need a lot more help. I always find there's plenty to confess. Why do we need to confess our sins? Because Jesus died on the cross for us. He took all of our sin. We're totally forgiven. That's what we were looking at a couple of weeks ago. So why did Jesus say, well, pray, forgive us our sins? Well, Jesus used a visual aid to explain this. 
The night before he was crucified, he had dinner with his disciples. And at the end of the dinner, he got down with a towel and started washing their feet. And when he came to Peter, he was about to wash Peter's feet. And Peter said, no, 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 please, please don't wash my feet. And Jesus said, unless I wash your feet, I have no part of you. And Peter said, well, in that case, my whole body to do it all. And Jesus said, no, I don't need to wash your whole body. Someone who's had a bath is already clean. You only need to have your feet washed. So that's like when you pray a prayer, like I know some of us have prayed, asking Jesus into your life, and you receive total forgiveness in that moment. That's like your whole body being washed. You don't need to have another bath. We don't need to start again every time we mess up. But as we go through life, it's kind of like we pick up dirt on the way as, and, and, and daily we need to receive forgiveness. And then there's please. Jesus said, pray, ask for your daily bread. In other words, ask for anything you need. Anything that matters to you matters to God. Pray for others, yes, but also pray for yourself. There's nothing that you're concerned about which God does not want to hear about. So when should we pray? Well, you can pray anywhere and anytime. You don't have to go into church to pray. You can pray on the train if there is a train. You can pray on a bus. When there's no train, you can pray walking, you can pray in any situation. At night, I often pray once everyone else in my house is in bed and I'm about to head off myself, I take a moment then to pray for anything on my heart before I turn in for the night. So you can pray anywhere, anytime. Jesus talks about praying on your own. He talks about going into your room and shutting the door. That just means finding somewhere where you can be by yourself. I often find myself praying when I'm doing things like gardening outside or those sorts of things. And then you can also pray with others. But for some people, that's really hard. Even the thought of praying out loud in a group can be daunting for some people. But it's a wonderful thing to do because Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. There is a a power in praying together. And so I've got three little tips to end with. First of all, when it comes to prayer, keep it real. Be honest. Be vulnerable with God. Say what's on your heart. He doesn't want to hear about what you think ought to be in you. He wants to hear what is really in us. And then keep it simple. I read this, that the Lord's Prayer, which is a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, is 57 words long. The European Union report on the regulation for the sale of cabbage is 26,901 words long. Millions of people pray the Lord's Prayer every day. Who's read that report on cabbage? Keep it simple. And then keep it up. Prayer is is two-way, you know. The main way God speaks to us is through the Bible. 
That's what we're looking at next week. But he speaks to us as we pray. You know, the times I feel I hear God the clearest is when I am in his creation. Whether that's down by the creek or or taking a short walk, there just seems to be something about being outside where I have experienced God's presence in prayer the most. And that has been the pattern for a long time, but something I I don't give anywhere near enough time to as I would like. So I guess my testimony to you is this. I've been doing this for 30 plus years of my life, all the years I can remember. I'm not very good at praying. I'm no expert. I don't think my prayers are great prayers. But what I've found is that over the years I've seen God answer prayers in amazing and in boring ways. We've seen people healed, marriages restored, relationships reconciled, people set free from addiction, jobs found, careers progressed, kids grown up and in healthy God-honouring marriages, and yes, even a parking space or two. Prayer really is the most important activity of our lives, and it works. Prayer brings us the presence of God the peace of God, as well as his perspective and power. And so may I finish this morning borrowing a well-known phrase to apply to prayer. Just do it. Do it at home. Do it in the car. Do it in the morning. Do it in the evening. Do it on a break. Just pray. You can even do it here with other people on a Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock or on the first Thursday of the month at 7 o'clock. So let's just do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that, Lord, you have given us this great tool of communication with you, where, Lord, you have revealed your heart to us, that you want us to hear your heart, and you want to hear our heart. And so, Lord, may we not have any misconceptions about prayer or any false conceptions. There's nothing special about prayer in and of itself. It is just talking to you either in the quietness of our heart or out loud. And so, God, I pray that you would help us and encourage us just to talk with you, as Paul says, to pray without ceasing, adopt an attitude of of being aware of your presence with us, Lord, asking for things, being aware of the power that is available to us in prayer and seeking that in moments of our days. I pray that, Lord, we would pray prayers that aren't anything fancy, but, Lord, that are regular, that are often and that are simple but, Lord, that are from our heart. Just as our children want to converse with us as parents and vice versa, Lord, that's the same with you. And may you as our Heavenly Father, Lord, hear our prayers. And, Lord, may you answer our prayers in your timing and according to your will, we pray right now. Amen.